0: This is the Swan Song Financial Show with Kevin and Michael Anthony from Golden Years Financial Advisors. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Kevin and Michael provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals and now here is the swan song financial show with kevin and michael anthony
1: hello and welcome back to the swan song financial show my name's kevin anthony and i'm michael anthony from golden years financial advisors If you like the information that you're hearing today on the show, just let us know. Uh, Give us a call, 574-968-SWAN. That's 574-968-7926. Or you can visit us online at goldenyears-advisors.com. And hey, while you're at the website, if you want to check out some of the past radio shows, uh, there is a link there to check those out. And you can find us also on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify. And if you want to set up a face-to-face meeting, let us know that. We'd love to sit down and talk with you. Hey, Michael, I'll tell you what. A lot of the listeners out there uh, in the past here have been uh, communicating with us, uh, looking for some more information on, believe it or not, taxes and tax planning. I think we're hitting a hitting a gong out there about some changes in taxes. What do you think?
2: Oh, man, I can't wait. You know, they've been reaching out to us, but we ignored one of the most important facts is that Tony was the highlight of the show, and we're doing this show and the next show without Tony. Yeah,
1: that, where where is
2: he? I don't think we're really listening too well. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, well, Tony, we uh, we miss it, Tony here, but we're going to go ahead and just take it ourselves a little bit for this. Uh, we want to talk about uh, three different acts, and we're probably going to do a two part show here on this because there's a lot of information and planning information. Uh, we want to talk about the Jags. ja <laughs> we want to talk about the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. We wanna talk about the SECURE Act, and we wanna talk about the CARES Act. Man, all those things have come out and uh, sort of combined, and there's a lot of impact on those things, Michael.
2: Oh yeah, it's honestly pretty crazy. Um, we are gonna focus a little bit more on the SECURE Act, but it's gonna really dive in and kind of connect everything. You know, Pops, it's been a little wild recently. It's it's The SECURE Act was huge, monumental, and almost no one knows what it is now. It's, it's kind of baffles me.
1: Yeah, something about a COVID pandemic that uh, overshadowed the Secure Act that. Uh, that might do it. Yeah, that came out uh, actually passed in December twenty nineteen, effective January first twenty twenty. Correct. Yeah, we're so we're going to talk about that. That is a a very pertinent tax act that was passed and just how it layers on the different things. So we want to bring you back to that attention and talk about some planning. But Michael, let's start with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that was passed. That changed a lot of our personal income tax brackets a couple of years ago, and to sort of build on that basis. What do you think?
2: Hey, that sounds like a great idea to me. I mean, what I really care about, though, is did taxes go up or did taxes go down? Because you know I always like to pay more taxes, so tell me they went up.
1: <laughs> well, Michael, we always do talk about that there's two different tax codes out there, right? The uh, the tax code for the informed and the tax code for the ill-informed, so that's a, <laughs> a perfect way of being able to uh, sad start but sad, sad but true, sad but true. true. <laughs> yeah, as you know, the tax brackets did go down in this particular tax okay. law, and uh, you know what, really, you can go back and look in history, and these are absolutely some of the lowest tax brackets we've had in history and they were they're suppressed all the way through 2025 uh and then at that point in time there's uh they're probably going to go up at least that's the way it's planned in that they were just pushed down, basically about 3% on every tax level. So I guess around here we'll talk about taxes sort of being on sale for these next five years in low income tax brackets. And I think everybody likes a good sale. So let's, let's create that foundation and talk a little bit about those tax brackets. Um, and there's two things I see that happen in it, Michael, and just go ahead and jump in here too. But first of all, those tax brackets went down, the 15 went to a 12, the 25 went to a 22, uh, and so forth. Fact is the top tax bracket is, still, is now at 37%. But one of the big things that happened in that tax law change was the, the bracket itself expanded. In other words, a person could have a lot more taxable income and still stay in a lower tax bracket. I think that's critical, don't you?
2: I absolutely agree. That's extraordinarily important. And there's a few gaps in there too, right? I mean, the tax brackets did lower, but you know, since they did kind of expand horizontally, what can we really do with that?
1: Yeah, it, I think one of the things that we need to look at and, and, and people that are listening need to look at here is where those tax brackets break down and how to take advantage of those breaks. And I, I see three distinctive breaks in the tax brackets. Uh, the 10 and 12% tax bracket, and then from 12, it jumps to 22, but then you have a 22 and 24, and then for the 24, it jumps to 32. So in the lower tax bracket, you have a full 10% jump, and then in those mid-tax brackets, another 8% jump, and there's about three different clusters in there. And interesting enough uh, how this pertains that in the higher tax brackets, you still have that surcharge, right? Yep, starts, absolutely. starts at what, 250,000? Correct. Okay, excellent. And I think one of the important parts is, in the tax brackets, is knowing where the next tax bracket starts. And not being afraid of the next tax bracket, because it may be only a 2% increase, but knowing that, hey, we're going to go from two to up another 10, that's important, isn't it? Oh,
2: that makes a big, big difference. And going back on to what you said just a little bit ago, you're right. Married, filing, joint, there is an extra tax added to investment income, which is an extra 3.8%. So another reason why these brackets are important is because we also want to pay attention to long-term capital gains. So Believe it or not, there's actually three different areas for long term capital gains. There's a 20 percent, a 15 percent. And what's the third one? Uh, Zero. Yeah, that's a pretty good number. Uh, that's that's what I like. Zero's good. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. And that's usually for the lower income tax brackets. So that's something to pay attention to. But as my father mentioned, you know, once you hit above that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you have that extra three point eight percent interest coming in from investment income or I should say three point eight percent tax taxation. And then for a single individual, that level is actually at 200,000. So that's something to pay attention to, but then we can also take advantage of these tax brackets when we're talking about legacy planning or possibly Roth conversions, right?
1: True. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, sayings that we'll talk about a lot is sometimes you can, uh, in essence, make more money by saving on taxes than you can on your investment return just by knowing tax brackets. And when it comes to legacy planning, that's a big deal. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that coming up too. Yep. And you know what, you made you made mention about that 0% capital gain. And Kyle, uh, that 0% capital gain's good up through what tax bracket?
2: Actually, it goes all the way up until the 12% tax bracket. So if you're married filing joint, you're able to get about eighty thousand dollars worth of income and then zero percent capital gains for long-term capital gains which is awesome that's something that you really have to pay attention to if you can stay within that tax bracket and you have investments and long-term capital gains zero percent is pretty great.
1: Yeah. When you talk about 80,000, I think the number is 80,250 to be exact, but that is taxable income. That is not adjusted gross income. So that is after your standard deduction, which we know that went up. We're going to talk about that momentarily. So in essence, a person could probably have an adjusted gross income over a hundred thousand dollars and still have a capital gains tax that is zero percent. So if a person say has maybe a $50,000 uh, adjusted gross income or taxable income. Uh, and they have an appreciated stock. Say they bought the stock for 10,000 and now it's worth f- 15,000. That'd be a $5,000 taxable capital gain. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the particular bracket they're in, there'd be 0% capital gains tax. That's huge. That's huge, that, that's, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the standard deductions? What happened to those, Michael? So the
2: standard deductions actually pretty much doubled, if I remember correctly. Um,
1: could you give me the exact numbers yeah. on that though? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Um, actually, they keep indexing a bit. So the 2020 individual standard deduction is $12,400. Head of household, $18,650. And so that means if you're married filing jointly, you have a standard deduction of $24,800. And what does a standard deduction mean, Michael? It pretty much means that it reduces your taxable income.
2: So let's just make math really easy. Let's change, even though it is $24,800, mm-hmm. let's say we have an adjusted gross income of $100,000 and let's pretend it's you know just $24,000 to make math easy right now. That means your taxable income is going to be $80,000, which is in the... What bracket? And that one is in the 12% tax bracket. And what's the long-term capital gains tax uh, rate?
1: 0%. Okay. That would be great. You think we hit on that one enough? Zero I believe so. 0% is good. And the other thing to realize, if you're over the age of 65, that standard deduction goes up an extra $1,300 per individual. Uh, So if you're married, that's $2,600 on top of the $24,800. Again, a lot of numbers are going to come out here because we're talking taxes, but the whole idea is to make sure we maintain good tax bracket management.
2: Yeah. And just to throw uh, one more thing on top of the standard deduction, also, if you're blind, it does go up by $1,300 per person as well.
1: That's true. That's true. And what we're saying here is utilizing a a good financial uh, advisor that knows uh, taxes, um, maybe knows the legal work and these kind of things as your overall tax planning makes sense. And we should throw out a, a disclosure really quick, shouldn't we, Michael? I definitely yeah. think so. Well, we we're not uh, sort of we're not. Um, <laughs> our disclosure is we we are not tax professionals. Okay, we're not a uh, uh, certified public accountant. Okay, we're not attorneys. Uh, We work in an advisory capacity, so we integrate these things into the overall financial plan and we do work with your particular advisors or other advisors that are the tax professionals but we're here to be able to give overall advice on things that are going on in the tax tax market, right, Michael?
2: Absolutely. We're just, you know, starting the fire. Once you really kind of dig into that bonfire, you got to dive into CPAs, attorneys, and that's why we have strategic partners. Um, but before we head into the SECURE Act, I just want to throw out there, guys, if you have any questions, um, whether you want to talk with us or maybe a CPA we work with or an attorney, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us at 574 968 SWAN. That's five seven four nine six eight seven nine two six. Or visit our website at goldenyears advisorscom So should we start to hop into the SECURE Act a little bit? I know we have quite a bit to talk about, and I know that that kind of connects with that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, but we should really focus some time on that.
1: Yeah, I think we should definitely dive into the SECURE Act. That's a very impactful um, a piece of legislation that went through And again, if you want some more information on the JOBS Act, let us know, because corporate rates were modified and so there's some other noteworthy items that that took place in there too. Um, But yeah, let's jump into the SECURE Act. So everybody wants to know what's the SECURE Act, what does that stand for?
2: Setting every community up for retirement enhancement. Very, very, very catchy, right?
1: That's it. I, I mean, I I like it that we come up with great titles for things. So the Secure Act. What's the uh, what's the overall purpose of it, Michael? Give us a quick review. So just
2: as what the name seems to mention is, it's kind of put in place to assist individuals with their retirements. It's a bill that got put in place. A lot of lot of funds put in place to help individuals out to help them get more used to retirement to help them figure out how to get into retirement easier and overall to help Americans not outlive their assets. Uh, So there was actually 29 provisions that came out that were aimed to increase the access to tax advantaged accounts. Um, We're not going to hit on every single one of those, but there are definitely some key points that we should hit on.
1: Yeah. So when does this take effect? How did it happen?
2: Yeah. So on December 20th, I believe, 2019, Uh, President Donald Trump signed this bill into action, but it became effective as of January 1st, 2020. And that's an important date to remember because that 2019 has different rules than what 2020 on does. So that's an important date to remember 2020 or 2019 and before.
1: Right. So 1231, 2019 versus one one of twenty twenty big deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the biggest deals in there was probably what required minimum distributions.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) I think it's kind of humorous, um, but, you know, qualified accounts had to have required minimum distributions come out at age 70 and a half. Or if you really wanted to come down to it's April 1st following the 70 and a half birthday, or you would get penalized if you didn't pull out that required minimum distribution. And it really kind of confuse people. So it changed from 70 and a half to age 72. That makes more sense. It it might not make more sense, but at least it's simple. And that's the point of it is it's meant to be more simple. And then also a lot of times when individuals have to pull out required minimum distributions, the only reason they're pulling those funds out is because they don't necessarily need those funds or haven't needed them before.
1: Yeah, typically, and I, I think that's typical what happens out there is there's a great percentage of income that's taken out of these qualified accounts, uh, IRAs, 401Ks, all, all these different accounts that have never been taxed that are not taken out until they have to be taken out. And primarily because the clients uh, are not needing the income, they mm-hmm. have to take it. That's what's called required minimum distribution. So there's a lot of, we're gonna talk about that probably in our second part of the show is, maybe some ideas as far as what to do with some of these funds and how to save additional taxes. And a lot of times these funds, that they're not being used, are going to go towards their legacy plans. And we want to maximize what goes to those legacies too. Um, So I think what we're talking about is that whole, if you're born after July 1st of 1949, you fall under the SECURE Act, right? Correct. As okay. far as
2: the age 72 RMDs. Right. Correct.
1: So what if I was taking, what if I was 70 and a half in 2019 and I, I just became 70 and a half, take my first distribution in 2019. Uh, can I now delay that till I'm 72? No, you cannot.
2: Once you started, you already started. You have to continue with your required minimum distributions. Just because you're in one of the tweeners does not mean that next year you get to just not take an RMD. You already began those RMDs. You're going to continue those RMDs.
1: So if I began my RMDs uh, in 2019, then I have to take... RMD technically have to take RMD in 2020. We know that was waived by the CARES Act. We're going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But we're not waiting until we're age 72. Because if I did wait and I didn't take out my required minimum distribution, is there a penalty for not taking out my required minimum distribution?
2: Yes, sir, there is. And it's a doozy of a penalty, actually.
1: 50%.
2: 50%. Yeah, not, not ideal. It's pretty. It's best not to forget. And you know, whose responsibility is it to remember? Is it the companies? responsibility, whoever the custodian of
1: that qualified account is? No, technically, according to the IRS, uh, it is your responsibility as an individual to maintain your required minimum distributions.
2: Hmm, very interesting.
1: Yeah. So you got to keep good records. And again, if you have a number of different accounts, you need to know what the required minimum distribution is off of each of those accounts, even though I guess te- technically you could take it all out of one account when we talk required minimum distributions. But you need to know that 1231 previous year Uh, value of those accounts because that's where the required minimum distribution is calculated off of now in all fairness most every company most every company that has a custodian of your ira accounts or qualified money typically sends you a 1231 statement but again realize that is just a service right coming from the company and it's your responsibility to make sure it's correct again if you let's just say you had a ten thousand dollar required minimum distribution michael you're telling me that if i Missed my required minimum distribution? It'd be a fifty percent or a five thousand dollar penalty on that required minimum distribution.
2: You are absolutely
1: correct. Okay, and that's part of the reasons that we're talking about this is things have changed when it comes to required minimum distributions. And again, uh, caution the wind. If you're already taking your RMD required minimum distribution, continue to take that. Don't wait till age seventy two. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And and another part that the Secure Act changed about IRAs is. When it comes to working still and being above age seventy and half or well now above age seventy two, am I still allowed to contribute
1: to an IRA even though I'm at RMD age? Yeah, that's it's a, a great little change. But as long as you have an earned income coming in, uh, no matter what the age now, you can still contribute to an IRA account. Uh, be it a full IRA or a Roth IRA, depending on where you're at tax-wise. So just think about this for a moment, Michael. If you're required minimum distribution age, you are mandated to take a distribution out of your qualified money. And if you're still working, you can go make a contribution back into that IRA account and have the deductibility
2: of that. In and out, in and out. It's definitely going to change planning a little bit.
1: In and out, and it's, it's it's important to understand and realize what the impact of this might be. You might be able to, in lower tax brackets, we're going to keep putting things together there, take out a required minimum distribution, at a lower tax rate, and then turn around and actually maybe put into a Roth IRA instead of a qualified IRA, and as an overall strategy, save on taxes over your years of retirement.
2: You mean take advantage of the low tax brackets while we have them?
1: We're going to keep coming back to that. Hmm. Guys, taxes are on sale. No doubt about that. Well, it probably puts us into sort of the end of our next state or segment here, Michael. And uh, again, if anybody has questions for us, uh, please let us know. Uh, 574-968-SWAN. That's 574-968-7926.
2: Before the show is over, we want to hit on probably the biggest benefit for the government pushing through the secure act again as i mentioned the secure act really has done quite a good job in giving us a lot of benefits but when there's benefits to one side there's expense maybe to another exactly so let's hit on what's called a stretch ira and what's kind of changed since the secure act so Pops, what what is a stretch IRA? I've heard a lot about that. You can have those with inherited IRAs, is that correct?
1: Yeah, inherited IRAs, stretch IRAs, multi-generational IRAs, typically refer to the same thing. And in the past, and we're gonna sort of do a little comparison here, in the past, when a person had IRA monies, those monies, when they were distributed to a, we'll say a non-spouse beneficiary, say to your children or grandchildren, your beneficiary, children or grandchildren, could take that distribution over their lifetime. So let's just say that maybe you're a, a beneficiary, a child beneficiary, and you're 30 years old and your life expectancy may be 50 years and you've inherited, say, $100,000. In, in the past, you were able to take that 100000 instead of a lump sum taxable distribution, which would be 100% taxable at today's tax brackets on top of your ordinary income. And what, what I'm saying there is if you're making, say you're making 100000 a year and you inherited 100000 a year, you took it as a lump sum distribution, now you're paying taxes at the two hundred thousand dollar taxable limit. And that's
2: a huge difference. And honestly, most of the most of the time when we see someone passing in an IRA or different funds get moved over to the next generation, it's normally when the that next generation is at their prime time when they're making the most money they've ever made in their life, and they're already at a higher tax bracket. So that can create a huge difference if it's not handled as a stretch IRA, at least at that point in time, because if you add 100K on to 100K or 200K on to 200K, you're getting moved up into a tax bracket. It's not like when someone just started working when they were very young and they're in the lower tax bracket.
1: Yeah, that's true. You start getting into those probably 32 and 34% tax rates instead of staying down maybe in the twelve uh, percent uh, tax rate area, okay, or even twenty-two, uh, but so when a person has that stretch IRA in the past, they were able to take say that hundred thousand uh, dollars, live for you know life expectancy of fifty years, and all they would have to take out of that account would be a hundred thousand divided by the fifty, which would be two thousand dollars, and even though they were say thirty years old, there was no ten uh, percent penalty because it was a distribution, and they were able to stretch it the whole ira over their lifetime and you think about the tax savings there if your account's making a four percent interest or something like that on a hundred thousand dollars you maybe make four thousand dollars you're only taking out two thousand your account continues to grow so the overall distributions were amazing it could really launch and, and continue a legacy program with your iras but then came the secure act and at that point in time the laws changed didn't they mike unfortunately they did
2: because you were right i mean Taking out one fiftieth, and then one forty-ninth, and then one forty-eighth of that hundred thousand dollars while it's growing, it turns a hundred thousand dollars into about a million-dollar benefit throughout lifetime. Now that's a legacy, but that is gone. That's the old days. Nowadays, we have a ten-year payout period, and it
1: must come out by the end of that ten years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What happens if it doesn't come out by the end of the ten years, Michael? So as of right now,
2: and you know, there's parts of the Secure Act that are still a little fuzzy um, and hopefully they'll end up getting worked out. But as of right now, it's still a required minimum distribution. So it has the same penalty that an RMD does if you don't take it when you're age 72, which is what? 50%,
1: and you also mentioned earlier in the show that it was the taxpayer's responsibility for keeping track of all this.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's kind of easy to forget about things 10 years later sometimes as well.
1: So you're telling me that maybe just as an example here that if I was in my higher income earning years and inherited an IRA and wanted to postpone the distribution of that IRA, um, that I could do that Uh, But at the end of 10 years, I would have to take that distribution. And if I don't take the distribution, then the tax penalty is on the actual value of that account, which included the original IRA plus the potential gains, and then the penalties on that,
2: right? You are absolutely correct. That is a
1: huge penalty. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, that's something that you should be working with a good, solid uh, financial planning firm that has a good legacy plan as far as the firm goes. Uh, so, they can keep track of those records and not just keep paying in past and past and past and, and and be uh, sort of stung by a very large tax bill.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to touch just a couple more points uh, about that 10 year rule before we kind of wrap it up. So, there is no requirement in that 10 years except for that last one. The account must be fully liquidated. That's for IRAs and Ross, actually. However, in that during that period in years like one through nine, I'm able to take as much or as little funds out as I want. This is when it gets extremely important when it comes to tax bracket management. So it is best to plan this out in order to save as much funds as we possibly can on taxes and, you know, time for us to kind of think in the future as well. Well, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to retire in seven years, Maybe I want to take as little as I can and then, you know, years eight, nine and ten really bring some of that out because my taxable income is going to be less. So this is when it becomes very important to have a plan in place um i don't really have anything else to add into that i think we're going to kind of dive into some of this a little bit later and some of the answers and recommendations of what we can do now uh, in the next episode anything you want to add before we head out
1: no i'd really recommend to folks that uh this is part one check out our part two because we're going to sort of bring these things together And again, we're not talking about all the specific details, but a lot of the planning details that are very, very important. And uh, we'd love to talk to you if you have any questions. Again, our phone number is 574-968-SWAN. That's 968-7926. And here's the organization where the SWAN, if you will, we keep talking about that stands for what? Sleep well at night. If you have the right plan, the right tax planning, the right overall retirement planning, it allows you to sleep well at night. So we just want to say thank you for listening and we look forward to uh, continuing our conversation on to the next show.
0: Thank you for listening to the Swan Song Financial Show. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Kevin and Michael Anthony at Golden Years Financial Advisors. Call 574-968-7926 or visit them online at Golden Years-Advisors com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Golden Years Financial Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. Insurance products and services are offered through Golden Years Planning Services, Inc., and Anthony Financial Services affiliated companies. Kevin Anthony, Michael Anthony, Golden Years Financial Advisors, Inc., and Anthony Financial Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.